be no major defects and the house has just a shitload of minor defects and the client's expectations was the house was completely fine but most homes have defects okay welcome to the making it with miles podcast uh my name is miles clark i am what you would call a regular bloke um father business owner partner friend all those good things uh there's two parts to the podcast we have the first part which is uh the journey which sort of discusses things about uh the process of just trying to make it in the world which we all want to do and achieve good things and then the second part is the shed the shed is more based around my profession so i'm a builder uh building inspect all those types of things so i have a lot of knowledge behind construction and diy and all those good things which is great and also real estate with regard to like building inspections and the sort of um that, that sort of component of it uh today we're going to be talking about um what building inspectors actually do um, and sort of when you need to engage them when you're purchasing a home or even if you're selling a home. So in some situations, you might actually do it pre-sale uh, to understand what's wrong with your house before it goes on the market. So we'll have a quick discussion about that. Uh, hope you enjoy the show. Now, it's important to get a building and pest inspection done before you buy a home for the one reason, and that is simply to not waste hundreds of thousands of dollars on a piece of shit property. So it's very simple process. Um, it can be pretty costly. You'd be spending a good, you know, between five, $600 to get a reasonable building report done on the property. Now, the reason why you get that done is because before going into the biggest investment of your life in most situations, you want to ensure that you're making an informed decision. And really to do that, you want to have a good idea of the building itself and what issues are there currently and even what may happen in the future. So what I highly recommend you do is you do get a building and pest inspection done. Um, the best time to engage a building inspector through the purchase process, um, it usually happens two ways. One is pre-contract. So before you sign an offer and all those types of things, um, it can be done before that or it can be done as a, a subject to a building and pest inspection, for example. Now, the difference between the two is with a pre-contract, you are upfronting 650 bucks, for example, to get that building report done on the property to make that informed decision um, before putting your offer in. Now, what can happen with that is that you can put, you can spend your 650 bucks and then not put an offer in um, and you've wasted the, you've wasted $650, for example. The, the other way, in which, other way in which you can do it is just subject to. So you put the offer in, your offer is accepted, accepted subject to the building report. So once you get the building report back, you can still exit the contract, which we'll talk about further down as some other issues that come from that. Um, but the subject to clause is probably the best way to go about it. The reason why is the number of the property is already sort of agreed upon and then it comes down to the condition of the property so this is the this is the standard way standard process that's put in place um, the good thing about this is the office already in place then you invest the money you know the 600 bucks 650 dollars on that building report then you get all that detailed information so you can continue that uh, sales process 
Now, an important part of the building inspection process is actually understanding what building inspectors cover and what they don't cover. Now, this happens quite often. People will book something in and expect you to go inside the walls with your x-ray glasses to see if you've got insulation in the wall. They'll expect you to be able to dig underground and see if all the plumbing is adequate and works correctly. There's things that just don't get done. So the really important part that people need to understand, and this actually follows on to doing some further um, exploratory information in regards to the property, which I highly recommend people do. Uh, the idea behind the inspection is it's a visual building report. So these blokes and women just literally walk around the property and whatever they see, uh, they put in their report and it's just based off a visual report. The only things that might be outside of that realm would be um, maybe some thermal imaging or moisture meter type stuff, which can sort of pick up potential water leaks, things like that, um, and any may, maybe any termite nests that are in the house. Not, not termite damage inside the wall. That's really difficult to pick up with a thermal camera. The only time you pick up any internal thermal activity that's termite related, it's usually a nest where it's full of termites that are active and alive. And that heat signature is what is put through uh, the thermal camera, which is picked up. Now, the things that are uh, that do you, that you are covered by is is everything is a is part of the visual inspection. So inside the roof cavity, all the roof structure, externally on top of the roof, the roof cladding, uh, external claddings, brickworks, and weatherboards, all those types of things. Internally, obviously, is much wherever you can see internally under the house, wherever you can see under the house, and that's as far as it goes. Now, the things that it doesn't actually cover which people might be surprised about are things like the heating and cooling system. Uh, we, as inspectors, we don't turn them on and off to check if they work or if there's the filters need to be changed or anything like that. It doesn't fall under the standard that is a, a pre-purchase building and pest inspection. Uh, plumbing, electrical, um, any, any service-related items, obviously any in-ground plumbing, things that you can't see. Uh, asbestos is another good one as well. Now, I don't say that we don't cover it. Now, for example, if you, if for example, if an inspector, whoever they are, saw some pretty dodgy looking electrical work where wires are hanging out in this roof space, for example, or in a wall. Now, that would be reported, um, reported on, but it would be advised that an electrician follows up to make sure it's, it's safe and compliant. Same for the switchboards to make sure they're safe and compliant. Same for plumbing. Uh, you know, things like that where we can see that there's something not quite right and something needs to be done about it. Uh, that also goes for asbestos. Now, with asbestos, even with an asbestos inspector or auditor, now they actually have to test, they have to test the asbestos anyway to ensure that it actually is asbestos. Because you can visually look at a lot of things and say, oh, that's asbestos, that's asbestos, that's asbestos. But ideally you want to confirm with a, like a natural test to ensure that you are demolishing asbestos because it can be pricey to remove. Um, so you want to do it right and you want to ensure that the risks are mitigated in that process. So we can look at something and with our experience go, that 
I'm pretty sure is asbestos, but as it will be written in the report, it'll be say we would recommend, you know, the chances are high, but it is recommended that you get a uh, asbestos order to come out and check the property accordingly and, and test all the good things. Um, so it's, the other things that are sort of not covered is more accessibility things. So in regards to um, like second story roof structures, okay, you won't see a single operator climbing on top of the second story roof to check if there's a couple of crack tiles, okay? Um, this is all based on the, the sort of based on the inspector himself. So low access, okay? So under the house, there might be there might be mold everywhere, so it might be a safety issue, okay? Or it might be just completely full of water, which is just not, you know, safe working environment. Um, it could also just be low access, like you just can't physically get any further under, or you just gone so far under that you can't get out. Now, what I found very interesting about this process is that, in comparison to, because when I worked in commercial construction, the idea about doing um, like high risk. Uh, enclosed sort of access, so into drains and stuff like that. Like the 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 safety measures put in place are ridiculous. When it comes to this sort of stuff for inspectors, that's just literally climb under a house. You could get stuck. You're only a single operator. You got no one else to communicate with. So you know you got to be lenient with that. Um, and and the fact that like your inspector could be massive, like he just not fit into places. All right, like I'm not a very very big person, so I can sort of squeeze into where you need to. But it's all those types of areas that if you can't physically get there, we can't physically see it. Um, it's just not reported on. So you need to be very 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 mindful of that. Um, what the report actually is at the end. So the inspector goes out, does his bits and pieces. He does this building and timber pest, okay? Now, timber pest inspections, just a quick brief on that. It's not got to do with rats. doesn't have to do with possums. It's just termite-related, mould-related, and, like, wood decay. So they're the sort of things that are reported on. So it's the wood decay, any signs of mould, and then, which is, yeah, conducive to termites, and then, obviously, termite damage, okay? So that's to be clear on that. Um so what the report actually will look like towards the back end is you'll have this massive, detailed, fucking 60, 70-page document which will have all the written liabilities trying to take it out of the inspector's process, which is completely fine. But what you care about is the content and what's been put into that report. Um, it's going to be a very detailed report. So... There will be things, there'll obviously be the major items, you know, roof is collapsing, something needs to happen. The whole house is sinking to one side. This is an issue. Now, the other part of it too is going to be a whole lot of minor defects. So it's going to be like, ah, the door doesn't close correctly. Now that can be seen as just a minor bugger all, but over, but it actually can be something that is a sign of the house having movement issues, okay? Um, you will see it a lot in older properties um, where, you know, there'll be, you look at the top of the door, there'll be a massive gap on one side and a tiny little gap on the other. And what that is, is that wall has dropped, you know, and it's dropped and it's opened it up, it's opened up that section of the, um, uh, the gap around the doors. And that is what, you know, is a sign of movement, okay, which is obviously not ideal. Um, It'll have things like cracks in tiles, cracks in grouting. Um, sometimes it even has missing door stops and things like that, which can lead to damage in the property. So it'll have, a, there will be a very detailed report. And that's for two reasons. 
One, it's to it's what we're employed to do, okay? And the inspector's going to put as much defects in as possible to help cover his ass to an extent to say that he's done his job, all right? And two, you want it as very you want it as detailed as possible so you can make that informed decision when you actually are buying the house. The difficult part here is that some inspectors uh, don't communicate with their clients uh, verbally and they just get dumped on with this massive 70 page document which when you can when you read it as a novice person you will shit yourself thinking the house is going to fucking fall down but the, the 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 thing that people aren't educated on is that that every house has defects i think i've done maybe the hundreds and hundreds the 600 or whatever 700 i've done i think i've done maybe one or two that had one defect it was immaculate property other than that 10 15 some have had like 50 it's can it's endless but what people didn't understand is that even some of these that had like 50 defects for example there's still not a re- there's still no reason to not purchase the home they could be 50 defects that are minor and they're simply maintenance items really for the property and the property was built in the 70s and it's just a hit list of jobs to do around the house really so people need to understand that um, so when you get the detailed report it's very important that you request a conversation with the inspector and get the feel for what they thought thought about it they do usually have a little brief that says um because because the, the inspection reports are based on the age of the property so if you have an old property there'll be a couple of lines that will say uh, uh based on the based on the age of the house, the major defects there, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> are typical or the number of defects, the number of minor defects is typical, <coughs> above average, below average, for example. And then the average, um, the condition of the property is average, below average, above average, etc. you know. So they do put a bit of a summary in place. <coughs> and that, th- that being said, um, you know, you can summarize a property based on the age of the property. You can summarize a property based on the age of the house and then you can still have defects associated with it. So one of the important things to do uh, about getting a detailed report is actually getting a good inspector, okay? Now, you need to ensure that they sort of meet your contractual obligations, okay? So you're not wasting your money on an inspector that if there is an issue present, can't get you out of the contract. Now, a pretty easy example of that is in most REIV, REIQ, most real estate um, industry contracts, the wordings put that a registered building practitioner needs to pick up on the building defects to exit the contract. So if your inspector isn't a registered building uh, inspector or registered building practitioner, well, the issue you're going to have is that that report is invalid you won't be able to exit the contract and your conveyances will say tough titties, get somebody else that's a registered builder to confirm these are issues so you can exit the contract. So that being said, you need to ensure that you have a registered builder, okay? Now, you can go online to Builders Practitioners website. There's Here in Victoria, we obviously have um, the VBA. You can go on there and you can actually search the names of the buildings, the um, registered builders. You want to also ensure 
you're using a, a licensed pest controller. This is the same, uh, for the same reasons with regards to the building defects. If you have any termite defects, for example, termite infestation, or termite damage, or any major termite issues, it, again, clearly written in the contract, um, it's that it needs to be undertaken by a, pest, a licensed pest controller. Okay, so this is what was put in place by the real estate industry, which is fucking great. Okay, so it can weed out any useless operators and the ones that are actually half... that There are some, I, would, I reckon, that aren't registered building practitioners that probably know their shit pretty, pretty well because getting your builder's license isn't... It's not just something you just get out of a cereal box anymore, unfortunately. So... Uh, the guys that are serious about it will, will go and get their builder's license to ensure they meet that contractual obligations and ensure their clients get looked after. So the registered building practitioner, licensed pest controller. Now, if you're struggling to find a good inspector, okay, like you, you do the Google search, you know, they, they, they can mow your lawns, they can inspect your house. Um, there's other big sort of corporations, all that sort of stuff, or there might be some sole operators. You're just not too sure. What I always recommend to clients do, and this especially happens when they're in rural areas in the middle of fucking nowhere and they're still finding it difficult to get an inspector, is have a chat to the local conveyances uh, that service that area. Now, the reason why I say conveyances is because the conveyances actually read the reports. So they read the building reports and they know, they'll get a good grasp of who's good, uh, and who's useless, okay? So if they're working in a local area, they're going to see continuous repeats of a, of a particular inspector and they'll have a good gauge of what the quality of reports are because obviously the, the conveyances read the reports to exit contracts uh, for their clients if needed. So yeah, it's very important that first step, speak to conveyances uh, locally if you're trying to find someone that's really, really good. Uh, second step, if if needed, you can speak to the local real estate agents. Uh, unfortunately, the agents, you know, you, everyone thinks that they're all dodgy and that sort of stuff and they're just scaly cats. Some are, 100%. I would say most aren't. And they'll, uh, they can refer you to a good inspector, okay? They're going to if refer you to a good inspector, uh, not someone that's dodgy and just doesn't cover defects to help them put the sale through. They're going to put it through to an inspector that can communicate very well with their client um, because they want as much clarity as possible. Okay, so ideally they're going to be, they will put you onto someone that is actually half decent. Okay, but it depends how you feel about that agent because um, they usually give you like a list of like three that are half decent and they might bump your steer to one in particular that is pretty, probably pretty good. Now, the reason why. Um, it doesn't really matter who they push you towards is because each inspector is insured anyway, well, needs to be insured. So it doesn't matter if the inspector they put you on is useless. If they, if they actually fuck up and do a poor quality job uh, with your inspection report or miss something completely obvious, that there'll be insurances in place. So you, you know, you can sue them and all those types of stuff. Cause that's part of the insurance process. Um, but there's something to be to be to be mindful of. Now, something that does occur um, not so much here in Victoria, but more on the um, more on the east coast and definitely on the ACT, is doing uh, pre-sale inspections. So this is pretty much where a um, uh, where the vendor selling the property would do the building report, and then that can be either sold to um, sold to potential buyers or just 
made available for free to potential buyers, which is just a, obviously the, it's a building and pest report on that property done before it goes on the market. Now, some people are concerned if they should trust this or not. Now, that's, this goes back to the same process that uh, inspectors, they're, they're all insured. So you can, you can trust the process because the inspector is not going to take any unnecessary risk or just disregard defects in a report because if someone buys that property, it will fall back on that report at some stage. So it's going to be the same process if it's for the buyer or if it's for the, for the vendor. The report itself is going to reflect the property. That's all they care about. So um, you can trust, okay? You can trust those reports. Um, again, it's all based on the inspector. So he might be, uh, the inspector that's done it, you might not sort of know who they do or, you know, might not, might not know who they are or how they operate. So you could potentially get some advice from the uh, conveyances and they might say, oh, that, that inspector, we've come across heaps of his reports and he's useless. So maybe don't trust that one in particular and get your own uh, as a precautionary um, where some conveyances or, or agents be like, nah, this inspector is shit hot and what you'll get in that report is what you're going to get and you can trust that process. And so the report you get from the vendor sale, uh, from the vendor itself is just a, yeah, it's a, it's a building report, and then you can make that informed decision from there. Something else to consider when you're engaging a building inspector is some very specific timing, which I've found works quite well. Now, to exit a contract, you usually need to have major structural defects. It's, the house has to be falling down for people to get out of the contract, okay? Now, you'll find that some reports are written like that, which is completely fair and reasonable. You might see some clauses in the, con clauses in the contract written a little bit differently where they're not major structural defects. Sometimes there might be no major defects and the house has just a shitload of minor defects and the client's expectations was the house was completely fine, but most homes have defects. Now, a little, a little trick you can do is you can engage your building inspector uh, and have them out on site during the cooling off period for your contract of sale. What that will allow you is it just gives you a little bit of wiggle room to exit the contract for, for, for just minor items or items that don't technically cover that clause in the contract of sale to exit the sale. I have a good example of that where I had a, a, a property that had a, sh a shitload of mold under the subfloor. Now, it was just hanging from the floor above the contract was written in a way that the, the technically there was no major structural defect. The structure was completely fine. It was just the most unhealthy conditions ever. This particular client had horrible allergens and allergy issues. So any types of molds and things like that, uh, they're going to hospital. All right. So in regards to, uh, so how we wrote, how we wrote the report, which it, which it actually is legitimate, was um, had to be in the timber pest component, which was the conducive conditions were very, very high and risk of uh, uh, termite infestation. So I can't remember how exactly how the clause was written for the termite, the, the timber pest clause, uh, but that's how we exited that contract. So um, yeah, the, the push was still there to push through, push through with a sale. So you can have major issues like that, which technically don't fall under the uh, major structural defect. Uh, it can cause a lot of issues. So another advice is that go uh, get the inspection done in that three-day cooling off period. There can be a cracked tile and you can exit the contract if you want, okay? You can just exit the contract because you're cooled off and you just, you just 
don't want to purchase the property. It doesn't matter what the reason is. You can do it for any reason at all. So just keep that in mind, something to, cons- uh, something to consider uh, when you're engaging a building inspector. So in conclusion, why we get one done? Well, it's pretty simple. If you're going to spend 200000 500000 1 million, I think houses now are at least a minimum 50 fucking million dollars, you want to ensure you're getting a building report done so you can make an informed decision on that property. Very simple. Don't buy a lemon. Pay 600 bucks. Know what you're buying. Take the next step. Done. Uh, two, when to engage a building inspector. Now, when you want to engage them is obviously uh, before you bought the property, ideally. Um, but what you want to do is either engage them con- uh, subject, to a, subject to a building and pest inspection or you can do it before putting an offer in. Either way, if you can get the inspector out in the three-day cooling off period for the contract of sale, that will just give you a lot of wiggle room to exit if you need to, okay? Uh, ideally, what the inspector covers. So they just don't cover services. They don't come up cover in-ground plumbing issues. They don't cover the second-story roof when it's pissing down rain. They don't cover tiny little gaps under the subfloor. These are the things they don't cover, but you will get a good scope of the property uh, visually just from walking around, and the experience of the builder will give you a good written report. Um, Ensure that the building inspector is insured, registered, licensed pest controller, as long as they have everything in place to tick the boxes for your contract clause, that's the most important part, all right? That needs to happen or you're going to waste your money if something comes up, okay? And if they are registered builders and licensed pest controllers, they're very knowledgeable, okay? So a balance of probabilities, they're going to be shit hot and be fantastic for what you need to be done, what needs to be done. Um, again, with regards to sort of vendor reports, I believe a vendor report is completely fine. The inspector that does the report is still insured. Okay, so they're still putting their ass on the line for that in that building report. So you have that um, you you can have that knowledge knowing that if you purchase the property with that report, okay, and you need to ensure that you have ownership of the report. So if it's just given to you for free, speak to your conveyancer. Does that fly with making a new for yeah? Does that fly? If something was to go wrong down the track, uh, can you sue that building inspector? Yes or no? Like that's something that needs to be really clear. Um, what we're building out with um, a company we're doing at the moment is that um, you, you have to pay for that building report to take ownership of that building report. So it's yours if you build by the house. Um, and then if anything happens down the road or down the track or two months down the road or, or, or two weeks later and there's termites everywhere, uh, you can you can take the steps appropriate to engage um, litigation with that building inspector. So these are the important tasks that need to be undertaken. Simply put, that's what building inspectors do. That's why you need to engage them. So don't be an absolute idiot. Make sure you make an informed decision when you're going to spend. Uh, I don't know, build buy the biggest asset or liability uh, for the rest of your life. So be smart with it. Thanks for joining me on the Making It Miles podcast and take it easy.